We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. We are breaking down all aspects of Yankee baseball. This is the Bronx Pinstripe Show with your hosts, Andrew Rotondi and Scott Reinen. Let's go. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Bronx Pinstripe Show. It's a good thing that we did the GM meeting when we did because the Yankees signed Anthony Rizzo. And I looked, actually. Last year, it was published on uh, like November 10th, and this year was November 9th. So we did it around the same time last year, too. I remember last year I was thinking the same thing because uh, the year before, I believe, is when we were like, oh, man, they're making moves already and we haven't done it yet. So we had to build a couple in. And this one, uh, yeah, we both pretty much, I think both teams nailed the contract. It was pretty much what we expected. Good value. For your option. Yeah. I mean, I actually was surprised it wasn't three fully guaranteed years. I just figured if Rizzo is opting out, he's got to be confident he's going to get three years on the market. But um, he clearly wanted to be back with the Yankees. The Yankees wanted him back. I don't know. Because of that, there's a slight discount. It's again, it's not like a bargain. Uh, bargain basement type of contract. He's still making 17 million bucks a year, which is a slight raise. And then so it's uh 40 million guaranteed because of that buyout in the in the third year. But I think overall this is a good contract for Rizzo. Good contract for the team. It's a good contract for the team, no doubt. Um <clears throat> yeah, and he got, you know, they 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 uh he turned down the option because he wanted to get paid a little bit more. I think this is honestly like this is this is uh Ilya, I, I think we even put two years of the third year option on this one just for for his deal it just it just makes a lot of sense and honestly wh- your your guys contract that you had on the on the on that sheet was spot on too the um I, the biggest thing for me is i think this is i really do think this is an early indicator that judge is happening because i i think they are i know you keep saying that you really think that these two you i do really think it's like yes i do i do think i think that that, that, that contract that close I think that this team was in a good spot and they all recognize that. And I think that the team recognizes that they um, 
they had something good going and unfortunately injuries and, and other things just got in the way. And, and yeah, I do. I think all things considered where you want to be, I don't, I don't think he wants to be here. If, if I think this team looks very different, if judge is not here too. So yeah, I do. I think, I think it's a thing. People like playing with people they like. So you think that there's a conversation when Rizzo is accepting this deal, he's saying he knows that you guys are serious about signing judge. You're going to do everything in your power. As Steinbrenner has said, you're going to do everything in our power to sign judge. Yes. And I think it's also incentive for judge to understand that he's that, okay, Verso coming back. We've got the, the guys that are coming back, you know, they're there for, he's there for three more years. I, I think it helps. It absolutely helps. I think that he's the kind of guy that has, has really started to, you know, fall into this leadership uh, role of the team and, and starting to really build those qualities out. So I think that the people around him are important and um, for judge, he's going to get paid. Like Bar, we we know he's going to get paid. He knows he's going to get paid. So he kind of does, I think, get a little bit of say in where he's going at this point because of that. I think there are going to be multiple offers, probably very close to each other. So by that logic, if the Yankees were did not give Rizzo that full confidence that they're going to be able to resign Judge, you don't think he accepts this deal, or you think he's still on the market? Rizzo, yeah, I think he could potentially be still on the market. I think this helps. Um, but who knows? Maybe the maybe the the market came to him pretty quickly. I know the Astros. Ilya pissed off a lot of people with the graphic uh, throwing a, an Astros hat on Rizzo the day before he signed. But you know that they they came out and said he's our top target. If if you hear that, then and and you like him, you better go sign that guy, and you better do it quickly, and you better tell him some things that he wants to hear. Uh, because if if Anthony Rizzo goes to the Houston Astros, guess what? They're a very good team, and they just got better. If that's the case, because they. You know, a lefty bat that's a vacuum at first is 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 not good. That would not be that would have been a very bad thing for the Yankees at that point. And that gap that they're talking about and how they need to close it would have gotten actually wider. Yeah. Oh, it would have been because that team desperately needs another left-handed bat. I know Yuri Guriel had a pretty solid postseason, but he did not have a good regular season. So yeah, that would have been a bad that would have been bad news for the Yankees. Good signing for the Astros. So apparently he ne- Rizzo never spoke to any other team because he never formally declined the qualifying offer. So that's a- another reason why this deal came together quickly. One un- other interesting thing about it is that it is a $20 million luxury tax hit. Even though he's making $17 million a year, it is $20 million on the luxury tax because of the option and the buyout. So if we're going to be eyeing those luxury tax thresholds, that actually you know, hurts the team. So I think both of us and our contracts, even though we were guaranteeing him more money, the luxury tax impact was lower because there was no buyouts and stuff like that. Yeah. So the, the buyout it added, I was looking at the, um, at the, the notes here and it says that the luxury tax hit is 20 million. Is that right? And yes, because it's 40 million guaranteed over two years because that's the minimum amount of money that Rizzo is going to get from the Yankees. Ah, I see. I see. This the six million is only right is only in the two years. Got it. I was confused because I was thinking three. Yeah, yeah. It makes no, sense. if my, they my sign math, him to a third math. year, um, right. it's he 17, makes seventeen it's, million it's, yeah. in the next year, but still the luxury tax hit is twenty million because no matter what, the six is happening. Correct. So, but the luxury tax hit in the third year would be seventeen. Then, right? It says on Spot Track that it's twenty. But yeah, that's I, what I, didn't I, understand. I do. I do. I am confused by that because I would think as well 
So I guess that cash carries over, but I don't know why that cash would carry over. So, I mean, I trust SpotTrack, but yeah. It, I don't know. In, it shouldn't carry over. If it's if it's guaranteed, that means after the two years, if you if that deal does not happen, you're getting that $6 million. So no matter what, worst case scenario, that is happening. So that's why I totally understand why that 20 is there. Yeah. The, what confused me and threw me for a loop was the third year um, luxury tax hit at $20 million if he opted, if there was an opt-in on the contract at 17. That doesn't make sense. Unless there's some kind of a signing bonus attached to the third Maybe. year contract that we don't know about. Maybe. But, I don't know. Yeah. Um, so I mean, great, great first move for the Yankees. I, are you surprised that this was the first move and not judge? No, because I, I think I, I just assumed judge would take, take some time. I mean, it's a massive deal. This one is, oh, he's going to talk to teams. Yeah. Well, even if he's not doing it seriously, he's going to do it just to play the game. But I, I honestly, like, I, I think there is a very, Again, I I don't know shit. I'm just going off of you know what what you is uh, what I'm anticipating here, um, and I I think that they're talking and there's an understanding that that judge it makes so much sense for judge to return both on the Yankee side and the player side. And when you have that type of duh situation, like it should happen. It should be you should just figure it out. And I think they will. Well, apparently, judge is going to be talking to everyone except the Mets because because. Reportedly, Steve Cohen is not going to be in a bidding war with Hal Steinbrenner over Aaron Judge. And this got the attention of the Players Association. So there was an article in The Athletic, I think by Ken Rosenthal. I'm going to read a couple uh, lines here from it, and we'll talk about it. So an article published on SNY.TV said the Mets would not bid against the Yankees for Judge. Details in the story caught the attention of the Players Association, which asked the commissioner's office to investigate whether improper communication occurred between the respective owners of the clubs, according to a source behind the situation. The article stated that the Mets' position on Judge had not changed since April, when the team sources said the club would not fight the Yankees for the outfielder because if he became a free agent during the off or if he became a free agent during the offseason, the article also said Cohen and Steinbrenner quote enjoy a mutually respective relationship and do not expect to upend that with high-profile bidding war. It was posted by our friend Andy Martino, who. Just always seems to cause rifts with whatever he, he does. really does. He really does seem like he's he's in the middle of every every. He problem. likes to just stir the shit and be in yeah. the muck. That, that's why he's your. That's why I he's don't your even guy. think though this. That's why like, he's your guy. To be honest. Like, oh yeah, because if I was if I was a an official you would, reporter, you would be this, a I would be the exact same way. You would be of such course. a pain People in the would ass. Fucking hate me. People yes, would hate me. Would. People already do hate me. I don't give a fuck. But um. <laughs> I don't think this is like that's to me is like almost a nothing report by Martino. It's like all he's reporting is what his sources about Cohen are saying. He's not reporting that there's collusion happening. Now I understand why the the players association wants them to investigate collusion because that's something they're hyper aware of ever since the birth of free agency. It goes back into into the 70s where the owners colluded with each other to lower the price of free agents. So it's something that they're not going to let happen again. And in theory, you take out the Mets and Steve Cohen from the bidding war and Aaron Judge, that that drives his price down, not up. But I don't know that that's what this report is saying. I think I think the word collusion can get misunderstood in that way. That t- t- Collusion to me means like multiple people are directly involved in something to alter a particular topic. So or more or than two? You don't think you can collude with one other person? That is two people total, right? 
if you collude with one you of the person, multi- is, that, so, is that two? So you think two. Yeah. So then this could be collusion if it's Steinbrenner and Cohen. I, it could That's be, two. but I'm saying it's I, in this. Yes. Okay. I don't know what you're saying, but let me just finish my thought, please. The um, Now I'm thrown off because you're freaking basic math. The What I'm saying is, is that they also don't want people just driving a narrative or talking about particular things, even if they're not colluding with another person per se directly on something. And that goes with the the Astros. There was something about uh, Verlander looking for a similar Scherzer contract, right? Him saying that while he's not openly, potentially not openly colluding with other teams, what it does is it affects the market because now you have given some information that happened behind closed doors, in theory, between, between ownership and agent um, about what a price would be. And those conversations are not supposed to be out in the open. They are supposed to be closed door conversations to respect the process of the free agent market and the player and the agent going around and talking to other folks. If you do if you're doing that, then now you're like, okay, you're 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 slipping some information out there to 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 basically tell people to just back off. You're not you're you can't sign this guy because he's looking for X dollars, which in theory could drive the cost down because he's not talking to as many people. So that my point was right. is that collusion exactly. doesn't necessarily have have to be between two parties directly. Uh, and I, I think that word makes people think that, oh, there's two people like behind the scenes in a room, like making a plan. It doesn't always have to be that way. I think they're, they're, they're very um, conscious of words that are said that can also affect a marketplace. Yeah, I guess then we're they're trying to prove intent. Like, were you intending to collude? Even or if did you, you don't accidentally, intend it, like collude? you could be fined because it's you're not, you just can't yeah. do it. Whether you intended, whether you slipped in saying something like that, and my bad, you still should be fined for that, and and there should be some kind of a repercussion because it's still uh, against the CBA and what they're trying to accomplish here with having an open market. Do you think the Mets should be in on Aaron Judge? I mean, Aaron Judge is just had one of the the best offensive seasons that any player has ever had playing the game of baseball. Shouldn't every single team be in on Aaron Judge if their if their um, finances allow it? Yes, of course. Why wouldn't I? Don't want them to be because I know I know how deep his pockets are, and I know that he will just go out and spend. But should they be? Yeah, you'd be so crazy you if you say no. We be. shouldn't be. He's not the type. He doesn't fit our team. Like. Well, do you in, believe they're not going to be? In what situation could that be? Do you believe they're not going to be? Or not? No, I don't believe him. I don't. Be- I think that potentially okay. this is like the That's reverse. getting it. Yeah. I think he could be fucking with everybody and be like, no, we're fine. We're, we would never do. And then he's going to go in and just like give him a $400 million offer. Yeah. It's like, do you think Steve Cohen really cares about his relationship with Hal Steinbrenner that much? No. Hal Steinbrenner doesn't strike me as someone who's fun to hang out with. These guys don't get to these places by being best friends with each other. No, but you do have your your owner buddies. I think you have your billionaire okay. buddies. Not not across the borough. Not not, not, not exactly. In the same city not in when the you're same competing city. for market share. Yeah. Right. You, no. You're friends with the Mariners owner. You're you're not friends with the owner of the team that's three miles away. The GMs can be friends. The owners maybe not. Who knows? But but at the same time, it's like keep your enemies closer. Situation. You know what I mean? Like. Oh yeah, we're buddies. We're texting. Let's tell everybody that we're buddies. But in fact, well, they're going to investigate the text messages. <laughs> I would yeah. love to see those text messages between Cohen and Steinbrenner. Like, what are that? What are those guys talking about? Five butt dials. Uh, like <laughs> maybe, maybe a whole lot of misspellings. So, it's going to be a lot of caps, like how my dad texts. Like it's all caps, caps lock. It's permanent caps lock. 
Yeah. And then Hal yell, or yelling back at Cohen for yelling at him over text message. Yeah. So we'll, we'll see what happens with this. Uh, it certainly would be interesting. So they're, like you said, investigating the Verlander stuff too. And, um, you know, the players, the players association, can we go through one off season where there's, there's not something happening with these two sides? No, I don't think we can. You know, uh, just a, another quick note on that one. Even if they're not really like actually investigating it and making a big deal of it, they're going to come out and say that they are, I think, to prevent anybody else. Like, oh, just, just yeah. so you guys know, we're looking into this. So, you know, don't do it. It's basically another, it's just like a, it's a, it's an easy tactic for them to get into the media to say something, um, to, to try to prevent more of it from happening. I'm sure agents get pissed sure. off and like, you know, oh you God. get, you get those phone calls to the league office of like, just you scr- those are not text messages. Those are screaming obscenities from, um, some from Scott Boris and, and teams like that, that are like, you know, going nuts on like, you better find these guys because they're affecting the dollars that are coming. They're taking food off the table for 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 um verlander and Degrom, you know caviar off the table it's uh, uh yeah i mean because this is how the agents once you have the player that hits free agency you basically know what their market value is based on their talent level and their performance it's about getting that little extra five ten percent with your negotiating skills and using leverage of other teams and if you take that leverage away that's, I mean, then where's the fun in it for the agents, right? Like, like you know, Boris is going into these meetings. He wants to, he just wants to, he just wants to put feet to the fire of these teams. Like, I, I feel like it's what he gets off on. Oh yeah, he wants to make everybody's life difficult just so he can make some more money. There's no doubt. It's it, it's really, he's done a really good job at it. He's actually probably the best in the business at it. Yeah. And Hal said about spending, we have plenty. Uh, we have plenty of ability, and Aaron Judge and I talk about this to make other things happen too. Meaning, if they sign Aaron Judge, it's not a situation where you're locking up one player and then you can't spend on other areas of the team. To your point about also having Rizzo come back. Yeah, I think that this is one of those situations too. That if Judge were to say, "Hey, I want to know more. I want to know more about what the plans are. I want to know more about what the next five years look like. I want to know what the spending looks like. I want to know all of these things. I think he has every right to ask those questions. And I think that they should be, um, you know, whether you're, they need to be on the same page because this is uh, if that's important to judge, that's actually a really good sign that he's coming back to the Yankees, because if he's going to these, some of these other teams, say the giants, like that's one of the other leading candidates here. The Giants, as much of a big market team and big spender as they are, it's like you sign Aaron Judge, that could very well prevent you from doing some other things. And if that's important to Aaron Judge, surrounding him, being surrounded with a championship caliber team, and he's going to take up $35, $36, $37 million of annual payroll, and then the Giants like, well, you know, it's going to be tough because we're paying you $38 million, that might deter him. I mean, maybe. If it's far and away more money, he might say, screw it, I'm going to the most money. But it's a factor. That's good. Absolutely. I think, I think it's, it doesn't that, doesn't that fit what we think Aaron Judge is too? I mean, in my head, uh, he very much, that's what is we the want him to team be guy. Well, no, I think that's what he is. That's what he is. That, that you can't just say that's what he, we want him to be. Of course, that's what we want. That's him what we to want. It's also what he that's, has acted like yes. since being here. He's at, he's been a team guy. Um, unless you talk to, talk to you about the, the Otani, uh, piece, then he's not a team guy, but you know, no, that wasn't about him being not stadium. a team guy. That was about him being soft, wanting it. But at this, you know, everything that I think about Aaron Judge, I believe that he does have 
the the team at, 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 in mind when he's thinking about a lot of things. And if he's going to be somewhere right for eight, nine, ten years, of course he wants the ability to compete and win a a world a World Series because. He knows if he's here and they're not able to spend the money and they have a middling team for the next five, six years, his legacy will be very different if they're not able to compete and actually get over the hump with the championship. Like he knows he's got to win a championship. Wearing the oh, yeah. I mean, he's, he's, I don't want to say forgotten about because he's already done things that very few players, obviously 62 home runs have done, but you're, you're not talked about and cared about in 15, 20 years, like you are, if you win a championship, that's just the bottom line. No, you have to win. We're talking about what I meant by want him to be. That's what we want. Every player. We want every player to want to win. Like us fans want the team to win. Right. Like, and it's easy to forget that this is a, this is their business and their livelihood. So, you know, it's, it's it's always, and their legacy. So it's like, (laughs) <laughs> the the cliche is like this is like a sports radio cliche like oh i would i would uh take a hometown discount to play in new york because i'm a yankees fan oh really you'd take 10 million instead of 12 million to play in new york because oh you're making 80k now and so yeah the 10 million looks nice i got it dude but when you're on a different level it's just a completely different ball game and and, and so you have to sep- you have to understand that the it's hard to put ourselves in the shoes. So we want Aaron Judge to want the team to be surrounded with top talent. But also, he wants to be paid while being surrounded by the top talent. Sure. Yes. Fair market value. He wants to be paid. He knows that we know what that value is. So yeah, totally agree. It's going to be in New York. It's going to be going to be here and not on the other side. Uh, I'm I'm fully confident he's coming back to the Yankees. I, I don't know what my lowest i guess my lowest on him coming back to the yankees was probably 1205 p.m on opening day when brian cashman was was outlining the details of what aaron judge declined that was probably my lowest that aaron judge would be a yankee next year but especially how the season went and um even though it was bad postseason for judge i'm still very confident he's coming back good i'm glad We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What we're going to do for the rest of this episode is, you know, we're thinking about what can we talk about since there's not a ton of news. Uh, I mean, MVP will be announced tonight. Hopefully, Judge wins. Justin Verlander won the Cy Young in the American League unanimously, robbing Nestor Cortez of his <laughs> title. Uh, but we wanted to talk about the Cashman era free agent signings, not just free agent signings, just signings in general, big signings. And um, what were some of the best ones? What were the biggest ones? Which ones worked out the best? So uh, it's just going to be running through a list of guys. I mean, obviously, in the last two decades is when all of the big money contracts were signed for the $150 plus million. But a lot of times those didn't work out. And then you, you find some diamonds in the rough of, an example, signing Tino Martinez to a nice deal and, and the, the war that he produced, the stats he produced over his five-year deal. One of the best in uh, Yankees history, certainly. So let's start with uh, with the biggest contracts that Brian Cashman has ever handed out. The biggest, Garrett Cole, nine years for three hundred and twenty four million. And we came up with um, a metric to analyze the value of these contracts. Basically, million dollars uh, amount of millions spent for war produced uh, to see if the value is good there. And so far, Garrett Cole in three years has earned $85.3 million and produced 10 more, which means his million dollar war is $8.36 million. And the reason he's uh, a little bit lower in earnings is because the 2020 season was obviously shortened. So it was a, a, a prorated salary there. So $8.36 million spent for every one war that Garrett Cole has given the Yankees, which if you look at Fangraph's average spending for war on free agency is pretty much in line with what teams are spending between 2019 and 2022, between five and a half and nine and a half million in uh, in that time. So not a certainly a massive contract. A lot of this will depend on how Garrett Cole does over the next few years, because like any of these big free agent contracts, as the years go on, the war usually goes down, but the money stays the same, and it could, we could change our mind on it. Obviously, a lot will, will depend on if they win a championship, and Garrett Cole's a big part of that or not. But so far, he's been market value if you you know go by what other teams are spending on the free agent market. Yeah, he has. And I, I, we're going to talk about the value deals as well in this. Um, and, and it's funny because when you start looking at you just see the level of importance for finding those values and you see how uh, if you have a GM that, that is able to, to strike on not only young guys, but, but also free agent deals, you know, how, how incredibly value that is and, and how you can really build uh, uh, an incredible nucleus. If you can hit on, if you can hit on, on some of those, those lower deals. Um, and I think that when you start to see, as we get into where they are, you see a lot of them, you know, in the nineties, in the early two thousands. And, and it makes a lot of sense for why the teams were the way that they were at that time. But yeah, Garrett Cole, I mean, he's on a clock for, for, for finding value to be very honest, like after this year um, and, and, 
you know, I, I, he, he probably drove me more crazy than anybody on a, on the team because of the, uh, the ability that he had and just wasn't, wasn't executing like we expect him to execute, but yeah, he's on the clock, man. He's on the clock. And, and, and frankly, I think next year is a, a very important year for him because if he doesn't That's come what out, we said about this year, uh, well, then they just continued, but he, but he, he screwed it up this year. He screwed it up this year. So I guess every single year after the year that you don't meet expectations is the most important because you need to turn it around. And if and if that's not the case, then this contract is going to look terrible, really, really bad. It's going to look Lo- really bad. Logan has made this point a number of times that there is precedent for starting pitching being elite late into your 30s. I mean, Justin Verlander just won the Cy Young, for God's sake. Okay, so Max Scherzer got $40 million a year because he was still an elite pitcher. Like, it, it's not out of the realm of possibility that Garrett Cole can still be a really good pitcher when he's 37, 38, 39 years old. There is an interesting thing, though, that I stumbled upon, which I forgot about in his contract. He can opt out after the 2024 season. The Yankees can void that opt out by guaranteeing him a 10th year for $36 million. So it'll be interesting to see if he does that. I mean, I know it's two years away, but if he has two seasons of... Let's just say he's pitching exactly in these next two years, exactly as he's pitched in these first three years. He's probably opting out. I, um, probably purely for the years, for the amount of years that he could get, I guess, because if you look at a total contract, you could probably get more um, based on what you're saying. Um, but the AAV will be certainly lower. The the it just depends on on I guess on 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 what what he does in the next two years. You know, your comp the. Talking about like Verlander and Scherzer getting staying elite at the end of their careers, like did they have middling seasons like Cole just did? That's oh that's yeah, where Verlander, I need to go back Verlander especially with the last couple of years for Verlander in Detroit, it's like people thought his career. The, the was last tough. year for him, oh in Detroit, yeah, 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 that's right. So that's that's where it's like uh, you need to refine you, you know your mechanics or 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 you know if you were not healthy in a particular time. You need to get back to full health. Like, and Cole's not we, been as bad as Verlander was towards I the end of Verlander's that. tenure in Detroit. But Verlander has been a top three starting pitcher in baseball since he left Detroit. Yeah, he has. Why do we think that is? Just mechanics have been probably the Astros better. doing something shady. <laughs> yeah. Some kind of a some kind of a talcum <laughs> thing nobody can see. It's invisible. You can't, you can't <laughs> they see actually it. It becomes part of your skin. They actually took uh, the arm off of a 20-year-old pitching phenom and attached it to Justin Verlander. No, they're just doing skin grafts in between innings <laughs> on your fingers. I don't know what it was. Obviously, we're, we're joking about the Astros, but like, I mean, Verlander, Verlander figured it out. There's no reason to think Cole can't also figure it out, right? And not that he's far off because he's not. It's you know, and he's frustrating because of the expectation. That's that's really what what drives that. But shit, he gave up way too many of those you know three run home runs in the fifth inning for me to look past it. Don't you guys think though, if if he pitches even the way he's pitched these past two years, that if if he opts out, they'll just give him that tenth year because that would Definitely. only it would be five years at thirty six million left mm-hmm. still at that point. So it'd be like. You know, he wouldn't, but they you would have to resign him for more. They shouldn't. They should let you him walk. So. If he opts out, let him walk. I mean, let's talk about CC next. They might next. want him to opt out. Let, uh, yes. So let's talk about CC next. It's not the next biggest contract, but the CC is is an interesting parallel because the Yankees gave CC Sabathia at the time the biggest free agent p- 
pitching contract in 2009. It was seven years, $161 million, with the ability to opt out after 2011, in which CC did. If you just isolate those first three years of the Yankees, Yankees paid him $63.9 million, and he produced 17.4 war, which is $3.67 million paid for war, which is freaking unbelievable, okay? And then the Yankees gave him an extension through 2017, Six years, $142 million, and he only produced 9.8 war, which means they paid him $14.49 million per war produced in that second portion of the contract. Now, CC went through a, a whole ton of shit, injuries, yeah. alcoholism, as we've learned. And it wasn't until the end of that six years that CC actually like kind of reinvented himself, and then the Yankees ended up tacking on extra years. So like the last – a big reason why the Yankees – fans love CC and I love CC so much is because he did figure it out towards the end of his time. If he just like fizzled out entirely, we might have a slightly different take on that. But the 2012, 2013, 2014 seasons, 2012, I think was still good. 13, 14 for CC was God awful. So I think if the Yankees could have a do over, they would have let him walk after 2011. Yeah, but that, that's also, like you said, like there were a lot of other circumstances happening and why he didn't. So hindsight being 2020, if he were fully healthy and fully, you know, the his his uh, his, his habits and off the field um, issues weren't prevalent and you're just looking at this physical specimen that that dominated for those three years that you're talking about and then was also one, once, once uh, you know, getting right again and getting healthy, was able to figure it out with, with lesser stuff. Like the guy was a, a special, special talent on the mound, but not a twenty-five million dollar a year pitcher towards the end. But again, like you're, you're, there's, there were a lot more circumstances. It wasn't just like injury or or just demise because of old age. Even like when there were a lot saying, of even when he on. figured it out, so he figured it out. I believe in the 2015 season, he started to figure it out, and the Yankees were still paying him twenty-five million dollars a year in fifteen, sixteen, and seventeen. He was not a twenty-five million dollar a year pitcher, even though he had figured it out. He was a 10, 12 million dollar a year pitcher, right? So if if we're saying Garrett Cole is going to diminish, but the Yankees are still going to be paying him $36 million, even if Garrett Cole is still solid and good, he's not going to be worth $36 million. The problem is if you want the elite talent for the shorter amount of time, of course, if it's not for it's you have to you pay, pay for it up front. Yeah. Otherwise you're not going to get it unless you just hit and you get lucky. Unless with- you're shrewd, unless yeah. you're shrewd, and if the Yankees have the leverage. Or, or if they're even, well, he's going to get the contract from someone else. It, it's not even fine. that. It's not even then just let him that. Go. Let him the, go. But my point is, is that um, if you are seeking and want that top tier talent, you have to take the risk on paying them. Um, you know, and, and understand that the back end of a deal, and this is across the board, not pitchers, not just pitchers, but position players. It's going to be the same conversation we're going to have with Judge and uh, Stanton. It's yes. exactly what happened with Aaron. We are at the, the back of the contracts are never good, but you have to as an organization. Understand that you are paying for the first half of that contract, and you're going to pay more if you look at the total deal based on the, yeah. the war or whatever. You're going to overpay. That's yes. understood. Otherwise, my you're not getting is, that talent. My point is, yes, to get the player initially in free agency or to extend him, you have to overpay for the back years. But if you give that player an opt-out and he exercises that opt-out, you should let him walk. I guess. But at the same time, what we just said is conflicting what you just said. We just said that you can be elite all the way through the age 40, 41 years old. We of saw course, you can be, but when you, when you are special talent and you keep your body in, in, in check, like that can happen. So you're missing out on that. You can't, you can't predict that stuff. If you are trying to get a top tier 
top level talent. You have to pay for it. And if you walk, if you let them, how are you going to let CC walk after those first three years when you see? I know you, that can't happen. You could. You the, fan the base Yankees would crucify you. The Yankees could not have let him walk at that time. I think so Cole's at that point, situation that, that, will be different. It. Cole's situation will be different because he'll be older than CC was, and he'll have spent more time with the Yankees in what should have been the prime years. He was it had been five seasons that the Yankees should have hopefully won a championship by then. If that doesn't happen, and the Yankees decide to let Cole walk, I think the perception will be different. The only way that they will let him walk, and the perception will be okay, let him walk, is if he has two mediocre years in the next coming. If he comes well, out, he and won't has opt two out. Good- well, if he has two good, again, he might be able to get more years and a total dollar amount higher. Um, and someone thinking that, oh, we got, we're going to get Verlander from Detroit uh, in, into Houston. Right. Like someone will probably pay for them no matter what. So I think him opting out is probably inevitable in, in order to either get a new contract or have the Yankees just exercise that 10th year. I think it's going to happen no matter what. But if the Yankees, if, if, if Garrett Cole doesn't have two very good years, um, that's the only way that I think that it would be accepted for them. If he has two good years, of course you have to stay with it and you have to get that 10th year and you're going to overpay and it's going to be ugly in the ninth and 10th year, but you have to do it. So a couple of other, the massive contracts I want to talk about the A-Rod one after the 2007 season is interesting. 10 years, 275, because like, I know Cashman has his name put on that, but I believe that was a Steinbrenner orchestration that that deal obviously was trash for the Yankees. A-Rod didn't even play in 2014 he was suspended the yankees still paid him a little bit then they had to pay him even though they forced his retirement in 2016 and 2017 so that was a horrible deal for the yankees the jeter extension 10 years 189 was a really really good deal for the yankees 01 to 2010 jeter uh produced 41.2 war which is 4.59 million per war really really good deal for jeter um some other good ones on here. Tanaka was good, seven for one fifty-five. His value was eight point eight six. I mean, it's not fantastic, but I think that's a that overall was a good deal. Jacoby Ellsbury was perhaps the worst ever. Um, he only produced nine point eight WAR and earned one hundred fifty-three million dollars. Underrated good deal for the Yankees. Jason Giambi, seven years, one hundred and twenty million. 22 war, 5.45 million per war. Giambi, go look at his baseball reference page. Yes, he had some non-existent years he was injured. He also had some monster offensive seasons. Yeah. He's also been on, you know, testified in certain areas yeah, as well. Yeah, whatever. The, uh, but yes, he he de- he definitely had some monster, monster years. Okay, real quick. First thing you think of, Jason Giambi, what is it? Mustache. Okay, I think of home run in the rain. Okay, that too. Minnesota Grand Slam. Yeah. 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 Iconic. That's that's a Yankee moment. I just think of like sweaty, greasy dude. Yeah, he was sweaty and greasy. What I loved uh, it. I, everyone it, said really great clubhouse guy. Really good. Yeah. And the the one of the best nicknames out there, the Giambino is just a just an all timer. All right. Now uh let's talk about the best value contracts. This is these there's some interesting ones in here. The best, you could argue the best value contract Brian Cashman has ever orchestrated is for Tino Martinez. In from 1997 to 2001, five years, he earned $20.3 million and uh, produced 13.1 war, which is 1.55 million per war. Really, really fantastic deal for Tino Martinez in that in those years in which the Yankees won many championships. 
and a glue guy. Like that's the type of thing that I was referring to at the beginning of the show is that when you look at these types of contracts, if you're, if you have a GM that is able to find and identify these types of folks that can come in, have massive impact on your, your, I mean, honestly, like Anthony Rizzo feels like that kind of guy. He, he's like that type of, of, of guy. He's getting paid more obviously, but, um, he's, he's that type of guy. There's just like, there's the intangibles are off the charts, competitor off the charts. Um, and if you can find them early enough and get them for a good value, like they did Tino. And that was not a, you know, that was a, that was a, 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 a dicey time too, with Mattingly retiring because of his back, Tino coming in from Seattle, who had just beaten them, essentially sent Mattingly into well, retirement. After 96, he signed this contract. After Correct. 96. They just won the championship. Well, right. But him coming in, there oh, was yeah, one yeah. year left on that deal when, when, they, yeah. when they acquired him. But, yeah. but he was a guy that, that came in um, under in, in, in certainly tumultuous waters. Uh, with the, with the fan base and where the organization was replacing was. a Yankees legend, like, right. it's not an easy thing to do. Um, so, but, but yeah, hell of a deal by Cashman on that one. The first Hideki Matsui contract, oh three to oh five, three years, twenty one million for eleven point seven WAR, uh, one point seven nine million per WAR. Awesome. Even the second deal for Matsui wasn't terrible either. But really, that first three years for twenty one million on Hideki Matsui and the the type of player he was, amazing deal for the Yankees and. So I was looking, I was like, how much did they post for Hideki Matsui? And I don't think they posted anything because he was he was not under contract with the Yamiuri Giants. So they did not have to actually pay any additional money to negotiate with him. From my was that Google was that way. not the first year where that the that posting fee was absolved because No, no. Afterwards there was still posting fees. Guys were, were okay. I mean, I mean, up until uh Dice K and stuff, there were still those like massive posting fees. And now it's like a set amount. I think to it if, is, if yeah. you post them, right? But like uh, two years earlier, the, but it's, there's a lot more control on the player yeah. side now. It's not the team that that is running the show as far as where you're going to go and how much money they're going to accept. I was reading two years before Matsui, the Mariners paid as much to negotiate with Ichiro as they signed him. Yeah, well, you know, look, we're going through some of the the biggest and best contracts. We're not touching right now the Kayagawas of the world. We're not going yeah. through those types of contracts that are. Um, you know, not very good. Because when you look through the entire thing, and I know we're going to be getting into Cashman uh, deeper, much deeper um, into the off season with a few episodes here. Um, but there's, there's, there's some black marks. There's some definite black marks on on his, uh, on his, on his record. DJ Lemayhew's first contract also amazing. One point eight nine million per war produced. So again, the 2020 value was lower than it should have been. But DJ had two. Was it top? five MVP finishes in his first two years with the Yankees. I know his his latest deal hasn't been as good, but those first two years of DJ, amazing. Roger Clemens. Injuries too, injuries. Like, give me a healthy DJ LeMahieu and I expect similar results. I really, I, and I hope we get a healthy a healthy DJ. I know there was a, a quote in here that, um, who just put it in here? Ilya put in, talking about, or Logan just put it in, uh, how on DJ's injury. He's, and I, I hate this. It's just like, I just don't know. It's like the obscurity and the, the, the grayness of that is not good. I, you know, he's the type of guy that if he has this type of injury and, and they believe it, it's going to be something lingering for a long time. He's not, he's not a like pure, you know, 
talent guy that has all of these, you know, he's not a 99 player like judges. Like he needs those, he needs every part of his body to be the guy that he is because uh, of the way that he plays. And if he's, he's injured, we're not, we're going to get a 260 hitter that, that, you know, it's five to 10 home runs. Not going to be the same guy. Yeah. Um, I guess if there's one time to not know about an injury, it's in November and and not April or something like that. But yeah, that's, I mean, we've seen these sorts of things spiral with the Yankees where there's misdiagnoses, uh, ambiguity about injuries, even in, in the early off season. And then all of a sudden the guy shows up to spring training. It's like, oh yeah, he's still dealing with something. It's like, oh, what'd you, what were you doing for the last three months? And with him so far, it's been, you know, a foot bad not good, you know, foot injuries are not good. And then like core injuries, two things that that man needs desperately to be the type of player that he is. So it's, it's, you know, a holding your breath for, for DJ, because man, is he an effective player when he's healthy? A couple other really good contracts, Roger Clemens, 2000 to 2003, four years, $40 million, 2.37 million per war produced. So I found a New York, I believe it was a New York times article about the Clemens contract basically criticizing the Yankees for this contract at the time because they were like, how are you going to be paying a pitcher of this age? Because also remember Clemens in 99, first year with the Yankees, wasn't that great. So how are you going to be paying him $10 million a year? Well, I think Clemens went on, I mean, uh, obviously we know what Clemens went on to do, but he went on to be really, really good for the Yankees over the next um, the next four years. Johnny Damon was also pretty good for the Yankees. Four years, $52 million, $3.61 million per war. He, he produced 14.4 war. The first center fielder that Brian Cashman signed from the Red Sox, really, really good. The second one, Jacoby Ellsbury, not so good. But the first one, Johnny Damon, that worked out for the Yankees. You know, if you look at the, um, if you swap out, if you swap out the Jacoby Ellsbury contract and you put in, a Robinson Cano contract, just just for conversation's sake. You can even use the convers- You can even use the Cano contract that he signed with Seattle, and just you know live in a world where the Yankees went to that, matched it, and signed him. You're still get- you're still getting you're you're getting what do we do we believe that that like his career falls off the way it did? Is there is there still all the the smoke that leads to um you know him? Uh, with the steroids, like how does that career path change if you were to stay with the Yankees? And, you know, I don't know. I I don't know what the answer is to that, but it's, it's interesting to live in an alternate world uh, as if he were the guy coming, because it was a direct response, direct response for losing him. That McCann and Beltran were direct responses for losing Cano. And McCann's on here too, is one of the worst contracts the Yankees ever handed out five years. They paid him. uh, It was originally five years, 85. They ended up trading him to Houston. McCann, don't forget, was on right. the 2017 Astros. But the Yankees yeah. were paying $5.5 million a year to for McCann to play in Houston. So the value on that contract was awful for the Yankees. Obviously, the value on Jacoby Ellsbury was perhaps their worst ever. Uh, Beltran's not on this list. I, Beltran's probably wasn't very good either. So yeah, their direct response to the Yankees losing um, Robinson Cano were three bad contracts. Yeah, so... Give me that, and that, and that was a deal that, like, that's the guy that felt like uh, that was the first guy that that I had the feeling of someone who got away, uh, that mm-hmm. that came up with the organization that was around for a long time, that was like supposed to be the next guy, um, and yeah, like they they tried to fill a void, and and they tried to do it by piecemealing 
uh, some things together and they just ended up being bad contracts and not really good fits at the end of the day. They would have been better off signing Robinson Cano to 10 years, even though he, even if he fell off like he did in Seattle, I think that would have been a better contract value single on that single contract than when you add up all of the three bad contracts together. And I think you are right. Robinson Cano did have good years to start in Seattle. They probably would have been slightly better years in New York because it's a better hitter's ballpark. And you could argue that it may have, um, I mean, who knows? Maybe he still gets popped for PEDs and all that crap still happens. Like, let's assume that still happens. I still think the first would have been 20, was that 2013 or 2014 through 2017, whatever it was. Those years would have been far and away better than Ellsbury, McCann, Beltron. Yeah, and who knows what the Yankees are doing to add around him as well in those beginning in those in those years to to give themselves more of a well-rounded championship opportunity. So that one, one definitely the, changed things. One of the first massive, massive contracts that free agent contracts that Cashman did was Mike Messina, six years, eighty-eight and a half million dollars. That one also worked out pretty decently, five point oh six million dollars per war spent. For, for Moose, and then he had a, added a couple of years. I think he signed some short-term contracts towards the end um, after that six-year deal. But um, even though Moose wasn't a dominant pitcher, I think his last really, really good year was probably 03, and I think 04, 05, 06, he started to fall off. And I, I know in 07, I forget if it was 07 or 08, he won 20 games finally. Yeah. Um. But uh, yeah, interesting. Yeah, he was a true pitcher. At, at Those this. are the guys that you can certainly, I think, get it. As long as your breaking stuff is still, and his knuckle curve was still effective, like you can live in the low 90s and and be the type of guy. And that's that's what he did. He he did, not to say he reinvented himself, because I don't think he did that. He just kind of aged with his his um, his his uh, physical abilities, you know, going down as father time starts to take over he was able to adjust on the fly i think with that and and do it pretty well um he won 20 games in 2008 but what's interesting that i didn't realize was in 2007 he started 28 games and had a 5.15 era he was really bad in 20 uh 2007 he was terrible yeah but before that he had some bad years like you said in 04 and 05 and then he like had a good year in 2006 you know he was a workhorse too so always pitched a lot had a bad year in Really good year. Yeah, definitely. Definitely does. He started 34 games in, at 39 in 2008. Went 20 and 9 with a 337. Got sight. Damn. I'm sure he was tempted to come back in 09 too, right? Yeah, like, yeah, you win 20 games. Finally, you have like, he probably wanted to go out on top. Uh, and the Yankees well, didn't even all you make to do the, stay around when we're here. Well, the, but that's why they on top titled for this him book almost. personally. Right, right. And then uh, he, he, uh, I'm sure it was tempted to come back after that year, um, uh, but the Yankees missed the playoffs in 08, so he's probably thinking this team's not going to win a World Series next year, <laughs> so he retired. But yeah, yeah. whoops. So, uh, anything stand out to you w- with these? Con- I mean, the thing that stands out to me is that even the massive, massive contracts haven't been like w- when you think about like the Matt Garrett Cole so far. Derek Jeter's massive contract. We didn't mention Mark Teixeira. That one wasn't terrible. CC Sabathia overall was pretty good. Tanaka was good. Giambi was good. I mean, it's like, but then there's like these, these head scratching contracts. Like, why are you signing Jacoby Ellsbury for so much money? Like, how many, never how many be championships? How many championships are in these top in the top? 
in the in the top, top of, the, of your spreadsheet. Sorry, in the, in the biggest contracts, the, I'm looking at the spreadsheet right now. How many championships are are in here? There's well, there's just the 09 championship, right? So I'm meaning how many players are attached to that championship is what I'm what I'm getting at. It's a rod, two, three, Jeter. Four. yeah, four. So a lot of this was was uh, were, were reactionary contracts, and and the team just wasn't good. Like the bottom of uh, well, Giambi just came in at the, a different time. Uh, Ellsbury, McCann, obviously we already talked about Tanaka. The team just wasn't good around him, and then Garrett Cole books sell out. I guess you go I mean, down to the bottom. Talk about the best value contracts. There's a shit ton of championships. Tino, yeah. Matsui. Yes, uh, Roger Clemens, Johnny Damon, Matsui's second contract again. He won the cha- you know MVP. In There's also a ton that are not on this list because they weren't qualifying. I mean, we had a a qualification of three years. So like, there's a lot of one year deals that were signed for for um, good value. There were a lot of two year deals that were signed for good value. Well, we did include Lemayhew's two year deal. When you go okay, but when you go back and look at some of these um, even one year deals, like I know after Pettit came back and signed a three year deal. With um, it was three or twenty five million from two thousand to three. Again, that's good value right there. And then from there, after he came back from the Astros because he went for three years, he signed five one year deals. And I know you were talking about Mariano being a similar, yeah, similar. Uh, where they just they're like, okay, let's just re up, let's just re up. You know what got me thinking about that too? And I was looking back for some of those deals is uh, Hidoki Kuroda. Yeah, I, I, when I look back at that deal because he was the same t- situation, he was good one year deal. He was good. I I thought he was there for more than two years. He was only there for yeah. two years. So two really I, solid I, seasons. Yeah, I thought it was at least three years. For for I was very so my memory was uh, failing me on that one. But I thought it was at least three years that he was here. Um, felt like it was much longer. But Cashman does have the uh, a decent track record of going back and looking for some of these value um, value uh, players to to put around you know longer term talent, and that's just what they they did that so well in the in the in the late nineties um, and, and early two thousands because they had the ability to do it with the homegrown talent. And that's what they were trying to do this past five years. And unfortunately it just didn't play out the way that they wanted it to with some of the talent. The, the guys just didn't work out. And that's, that's why that's so hard to do. And letting Pettit walk to Houston was a big miss by Cashman. I know there was concerns about his elbow. That's one of the reasons they lowballed him on the contract, but obviously that was a mistake and they should have re-signed him to the three-year contract that Houston gave him. I think if you give him that contract, he stays in New York. For sure. Oh, absolutely he does. So, Although he did want to go home. Th- that's what he said after the Yankees lowballed him a contract, okay? Yeah, because he's trying to say, how do, I, how do I put this nicely to the fan base so that they don't hate me? Oh, I want to be with my family. You think <laughs> they win in 04? He's they a, he's a, yes. I know they don't blow it in 04 if they have him. <laughs> Let's At least put make it, that it to way. the World Series. Yeah. They probably mopped the floor with the Cardinals, but I mean, that was his that was his role. He Let, was the let's yeah, let me ask you this, Logan. That's true. They were who do you feel I mean, better I, about I starting? John Lieber and Kevin Brown or Andy Pettit? <laughs> I've practically yeah. never heard of that. I, I couldn't I, if I saw that guy in the middle of my college campus, one of those pitchers, I could not pick them out of a hat. Seriously. John Andy Lieber, Pettit. I understand, but Kevin Brown, you you like you couldn't maybe. Maybe, probably not. Yeah. Kevin Brown's got an interesting career history because he signed a massive contract with the Dodgers and that failed. And that's the ended up what the Yankees took on. He broke his hand with the Yankees and the Yankees started him in game seven, I, I believe, with like a fractured hand. It was just a freaking disaster. Well, they had no pitching that year because Andy Pettit wasn't there, the stopper. 
And Mike Messina, really? as we just discussed, had started to fall off. All right. So who else started? Was uh, Well, unfortunately, El be... Duque got hurt. El Duque was pretty good for them in 04, and he got hurt. Um, also others, a playoff. Javier Legend. Vasquez. So Javier Vasquez in the first half of the season in 04 was a really good pitcher. Then he stunk in the second half and got pulled from the rotation. He didn't even make playoff starts. He did come in to give up the grand slam to Johnny Damon, though. Why are we talking about this? Yeah, I don't know. That because I don't. You're down, giving me a history that down a bad right path. now. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing makes me spiral quicker than talking about the two thousand. Oh, and they lost. ALCS. And they lost Clemens. I forgot that they lost. Yeah, Clemens, Clemens and Pettit both went to Houston, and David oh. Wells also left. They lost David Wells, Roger Clemens, Andy Pettit. Uh, they're, even though all of those pitchers were old in 03, they were all still really good in 2000. Clemens had a good year in 2004. Really good. Roger team. Clemens, didn't he win the Cy Young in 2004, 2005? Maybe. Uh, yeah, 2004. Yeah. He had a 187 in 2005. Yeah. That might have been a decent help. <laughs> might, have, might have stopped a, you know, a collapse, potentially. So this is Cashman's fault, is what you guys are telling me. Well, Roger yeah, Clemens also, retired. Game, three game lead. Roger Clemens retired after two thousand three. And how then did they un-retired. win the first three games? Serious question. How did they win the first three games? They oh, matched. They were very good. They matched. They scored a billion runs. Their offense was good. They scored nineteen runs in game three. I thought home runs don't win in October. <laughs> they didn't. <laughs> yeah. There's your history lesson. It didn't. Thank you. They didn't work. <laughs> <laughs> uh so small ball ended up working as uh as scott teased we are working on some brian cashman history type episodes that uh we don't have a date when they'll be published or if there even be one of them or two of them but i am excited to dive into those have not done those history type episodes in a while but um ilya has been a big help there so those uh, uh sometime in december i believe those will be out maybe there'll be a, a holiday special let's call it that Otherwise, we will be back on next week. Maybe Aaron Judge won the MVP. Maybe Aaron Judge signs a contract. Maybe the Yankees do something else. We'll see, Scott. That, that's a nice. That's a nice. Uh, that's a nice way to bring your 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 new captain back to the team. Is uh, MVP announcement signing? Re- let's just get it all out of the way because you know if you're going to do it, let's just do it. Let's make it all nice. This is that would be a, that would be an amazing press conference. It would. It'd be a nice uh, pre-Thanksgiving. Yeah. present that everyone yeah. could enjoy on the long weekend that's right we could all be thankful for aaron judge's money <laughs> all right that's gonna wrap up today's show thank you guys so much for listening if you if you have not done so we would really appreciate a review on whatever platform you listen maybe you're watching on youtube thank you give it a like give it a subscribe i think that's what youtubers say and we'll talk to you next week hey guys thanks for listening to the bronx pinstripe show Make sure you find us on iTunes and subscribe so you can get all new episodes directly onto your phone. If you do like the show, we'd love for you to take a minute and give us a five-star rating and review in iTunes. It really helps us out and allows us to create more shows. We're on Twitter at Bronx Pinstripes and the same on Facebook. You can always find us there talking Yankee baseball. Thanks again, guys, for your support. Really appreciate it. And go Yankees.